0: Happy Happy Mother's Mother's Day. Day. Happy Mother's Day. I love love you, Mom. Mom. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Happy Mother's Day. Day. We love you, Mom, and Happy Mother's Day. We love you, Mom. Happy Mother's Mother's Day. We love you, Mom. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day We love you mom Happy Mother's Day We love you mom Happy Mother's Day Happy Mother's Day We love you mom love you Happy Mother's Day We love you mom Happy Mother's Day Happy Mother's Day We love you Happy Mother's Day Mother. We love you, we love mom. mom. Happy Mother's Day. Hi, Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. We love you. All right. Good morning, Emmaus. I like the real life ending there to that Mother's Day video. Moms, we do love you, so thankful for you. Uh, as we prepare this morning to look at God's word, if you'd open with me to Colossians chapter one, we're gonna, believe, we're gonna be in Colossians chapter one, but let me say this, even as you begin to open your Bible or your phone, kids, you got your Bible in front of you, Colossians chapter one, as we do that, I also want to just say, we realize that Mother's Day is a day of great joy, a great happiness, great thankfulness, but we also realize that Mother's Day is can come with a lot of mixed emotions. Uh, This, for you, might be a very, very hard day. And we want to say to you that we love you, that we are praying for you and with you. And even as we come to a time that this might be maybe the first Mother's Day that you've not had your mom with you, and and the pain that comes with that, even as you have those good memories, but it's a hard day. Or maybe it's a day where you yearn to be a mom, and and that's not come to fruition. That's not been part of, of your story. We realize that a day like this, we celebrate, as the church, what we are called to do is we rejoice with those who rejoice, and we mourn with those who mourn. And so there's great joy this morning. We love watching those videos. But at the same time, as the church, we are able to mourn with those who mourn and say we love you and we are praying for you and we are with you and we are thankful more than ever at a time like this for what it means for our hope to be in Christ. And that that hope in Christ brings us together, doesn't divide us, but brings us together at times like this. And so I just want you to hear that from me, how much we love you and and what it means for us to be a family of faith and we're going to try to live that out. Every day the best we can through God's power. Uh, I want to remind you as well that we're in the middle of a series called Who Is God? We're working on this series of sermons that will take us up into the early part of the summer about God's character, who God is as we find God presented in the Bible, who we understand Him to be through Scripture, through His Word to us. Here's something that I would encourage you to do. If you are working with a hard copy of the Bible, so if you've got a copy of the Bible and you like to write in it, or kids, if you have a copy of the Bible in front of you and sometimes your parents will have you write notes, what I've found to be helpful is if you're trying to remember some key passages in the Bible, especially the New Testament that talk about who is God and passages that specifically talk about who Jesus is as fully God and you're having that conversation maybe with your friends at school or with your neighbors— There are a couple of passages in the New Testament that are really nice to have quick at hand. And so if you would want to write a couple of passages in the beginning of your Bible, maybe in that front cover, I would encourage you to write John chapter 1, Philippians chapter 2, Colossians chapter 1, and Hebrews chapter 1. And so just a quick note in the front of your Bible, if you write those passages out, those are great references. Or maybe you're watching this morning... And, and you're glad to be connected with the church on Mother's Day. You're glad to know some people who are part of the church, but, but you're very uncertain about your own faith or even what it means to believe in Jesus, to be a follower of Jesus. And you're like, where do I go in the Bible? Where do I go in the New Testament? These would be great places to start. John chapter 1, Philippians chapter 2, Colossians chapter 1, Hebrews chapter 1. And so what we've done for the last couple of weeks, we did John 1, We did Philippians 2, Philippians 2, John 1. Now we're doing Colossians 1. Next week we're going to do Hebrews 1 because as a church, I want us to be grounded in these passages. I want you to know these passages of Scripture and, and what these passages teach us about God's character, about who God is. And so I wanted to put that in front of you. Today we'll talk about God as creator, that the God who made all things is making all things new. So today is God as he's created the world. Next week will be God as he has revealed himself to us in his word, in scripture. So we're doing creation this week, scripture next week. Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 15. I want to read these verses to you, and then we're going to talk about God as creator. Colossians 1, starting in verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God, speaking of Jesus as God's son. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Let's pray together as we begin. Father, thank you again for this time to sing together. God, thank you for the families who make up this family of faith at Emmaus. God, I pray that very soon, God, that we will be able to gather back together. We want to do that. We desire to do that. I know it's so good to hear as groups are meeting back together and families are getting together. God, give us wisdom and courage as we prepare to do that. But God, remind us again. We've said this many times and we're going to say it again. God, remind us that the church is not closed. God, that we are fully open for ministry. And that's taking place in so many different ways during this time. So God, use Emmaus, use us as we're scattered in our homes and our neighborhoods and at work. God, use us to remind people, to tell people that the God who made all things is making all things new. God, use us in those ways, and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So a couple of months ago, I was scrolling through social media, Twitter uh, to, be, to be exact, but I was scrolling through social media, and I ran into this Uh, tweet this comment that someone had put out and it was designed to mock Christianity but it was very interesting how in the replies and the comments it was used in a different way but here's what the tweet was Christianity and then they defined Christianity the way they wanted to mocking remember being sarcastic the belief that one God created a universe 93 billion light years in diameter one light year equals approximately six trillion miles consisting of over 200 billion galaxies, each containing an average of 200 billion stars, only to have a personal relationship with you. Now, let me say first that when someone struggles with belief in God, and especially when it's coming from a mocking, sarcastic tone, but but no matter what the case, how we respond is very important. We don't meet mockery with mockery. Uh, We don't come to doubts and press people down in their doubts. We come to them with with humility and love and the hope of God's word, the truth of God's word. And so how we respond in these situations is is extremely important. And if you're someone who loves to travel, who loves to create, who loves to work, who loves to explore, this morning is going to be a gift to you because we think about what it is for God to create this type of world. For God to create this type of world, I want you to hear that as Christians. When you see those numbers, when you think about those realities, we don't run away from those things. We don't want to run away from scientific exploration. We should run to that because it doesn't take away from who God is. It magnifies who God is. Because the God who did the things that are mentioned in this post is the same God who created the Sombrero Galaxy. I don't know if you've ever seen a picture of the Sombrero Galaxy, but the Sombrero Galaxy is 28 million light years away. 28 million light years away, and remember a light year is approximately six trillion miles, so you're gonna have to have Siri or Alexa multiply 28 million times six trillion, and that's how far the Sombrero Galaxy is away, And it has this appearance because there's this ring of dark dust. And at the the middle are billions of these glowing stars. And then at the very middle of the Sombrero Galaxy is a black hole, the mass of which is one billion times the mass of our sun. Our galaxy, the Milky Way galaxy, is said to be just over, estimated to be just over 100,000 light years wide. And in our galaxy is something called the Vela Pulsar star that's over here on the side. It's about 1,000 light years away, and it formed when a supernova collapsed in on itself. And then in this implosion, this star rotates 11 times per second. Kids, I know that you can spin really fast in your living room, but you probably cannot spin around 11 times in one second, though you may be trying it right now that I suggested that. But this star spins 11 times per second, and as it does, it sends out this repetitive beat into the galaxy. And what scientists have found is that stars send out sound, that they're not silent, that they send out these sounds. Some of them sound like a violin. Some of them sound like a drum beating with this incredibly rhythmic beat, but this is the kind of world that God has created. This is the universe that he's created. When you come in even closer and you think about these stars that have been created, probably the star with the best name around is the star called Betelgeuse. Betelgeuse, which looks like what you would think a star called Betelgeuse would look like, Betelgeuse is a star that's 640 light years away. That star is 2.6 million times bigger than than our sun, You think about stars, and, and the Bible in Job 38-31 mentions a group of stars called the Pleiades. The Pleiades are about 3,000 stars, but six or seven of these show up, and they're about 2.6 trillion miles away, but the Pleiades have been used for really all of human history to guide sailors and to guide people as they travel. When you think about the sun itself— 27 million degrees fahrenheit the sun if you want to think about the size of the sun imagine the earth as a golf ball and a golf ball placed in a school bus the size of the sun is the school bus and the size of the earth is a golf ball that is placed in a school bus now if it's too hot for you to travel to the sun you could always travel to the moon where it ranges from 127 degrees Celsius when the moon is hitting that side of the moon or when the sun's hitting that side of the moon, the opposite side of the moon can get as low as 150 degrees Celsius below 0. Now, if you've never been to the surface of the moon, I invite you to go to Great Salt Plains State Park in northern Oklahoma near Cherokee and Jet. Our family went there this last week, and I've never been to the surface of the moon, but that place has to be has to be pretty similar to it if you've never been there. Hey, let's think about what else God has created. Let's think about some of the animals that God has made. There's the famous five thousand pound sunfish. That was discovered in the deep part of the sea, and then there have been a few instances when these things have come closer to shore, even washed up on shore. Uh, If anybody ever tells you they caught a fish that big, uh, that's a true fish story. There's a spider that lives on the South Pacific Islands whose webbing is so strong that fishermen there use it as their fishing nets. Imagine a spider so big and so strong that when it spins a web, that web is used by people to fish. I don't know if you could catch a giant sunfish, but it's an, uh, an option. The okapi, the great okapi, this incredible animal that looks like a mix between a giraffe and a zebra. Zebra, a zebra, a zebra, and its tongue is long enough to lick its eyeball. You get something in your eye, you don't have to use your finger, you just use your tongue to, to get it out. Did you know that an earthworm's entire body is covered in taste buds? As an earthworm goes through the dirt, the junk, it tastes, it takes in all of those senses because its body is covered in taste buds. Let's think about your body, the body that God has created. 37.2 trillion cells in your body. And each cell contains DNA that is six feet long. Which means, if you multiply 37.2 trillion times six feet, the DNA in your body could stretch to the moon and back 150,000 times. Your eye has one million optic fibers connections. Not not true fiber connections, but fibrous endings. One million fibrous endings that when you had been in your mother's womb for five months, those fibrous connections on the back of your eye, one million of them had to match up with one million connection points on the brain to form the eye. Your body has hair follicles. You have a hundred thousand hair follicles on your head, that God knows the name of each one, and you have five million hair follicles all over your body. Fun fact, dads have four million of those hair follicles on their back, if you didn't know that. That's a little add-in for, for your science. Here's the deal. We can never get to the end of understanding the immensity the magnitude, the grandeur of the world that God's created. And I'm encouraging you today not to run away from that, but to run toward that. And to remember that the God who created all those things, the God who created a universe that is 93 billion light years in diameter, is the God who created you and loves you and is at work in your life. And we are not going to mock that. We are going to hold on to that with everything that we have. Because the God who made all things is the same God who is making all things new. That's our hope. And I want you to see that hope in Colossians chapter 1. Go with me in your Bible to Colossians chapter 1. This famous hymn, verses 15 through 20, that's divided in two halves. And I'll show you the two halves as we work our way through here. But look in verse 15. That he... God's Son, come in the flesh as Jesus, fully God, fully man. He is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn of all creation. Now, those words, image and firstborn, have caused some confusion over the years as people have tried to make sense of them, but they are actually great news and they match everything that we've seen about who God is and how He reveals Himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That Jesus is is eternally God's Son. That God's Son was never created in the past. He's existed for all of eternity and He will never end. He is the true Alpha and Omega. That He is the radiance of God's glory the way it says in Hebrews 1.3. He is the exact imprint of His nature that when we see God's Son come in the flesh through Jesus that we are able to know the character of God. That they are not talking about different beings. One God fully God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that Jesus as God's Son is the radiance of that, the imprint of that, the image of that. What does it mean, image and firstborn? Those are really neat words, because what you have there are words that talk about God's character, but specifically we're able to see them as God has worked out His plan through His people. When you see the word image, you think about Adam and Eve, you think about the humanity being created in the image of God that God's son who has existed for all of eternity perfectly as God showing the radiance of God's glory was created as well as a human just as Adam was in the image of God and what Adam was not able to do in fulfilling the mission that God had given him Jesus would fulfill. Now what about the word firstborn? That's a word that speaks of preeminence. It speaks about the the member of the family who would receive the main inheritance. You could just take the word supreme, preeminent, if that word makes sense to you, and it works with firstborn. But here's the other thing about firstborn. It doesn't mean that Jesus was created. Firstborn was a term that was used for the people of Israel in the Old Testament, that they were going to come as God's people. They were going to be his image bearers. They were carrying out the mission. But guess what? Israel did not fulfill what that mission was going to be. They didn't completely carry that out. So what did Jesus do? Jesus came to fulfill that mission. So many times in the New Testament, the Gospels come alive for us when we see how Jesus is carrying, about, carrying out the mission that God had given the people of Israel. And now Jesus brings that to fulfillment. So these are words that reflect the idea that Jesus is fully God, has always been and will always be fully God, and yet he carried out that mission in a very particular way in our world. Look at verse 16 that comes next. Verse 16. Owen, do you really think that Jesus was, was not created, that he's eternal? Look at this, verse 16. For by him all things were created. In heaven and on earth, Visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. I love this phrase at the end of verse 16. All things were created through him and for him. Why was the star Betelgeuse created? Why was the Okapi created? Why were you created? You were created through him and for him. He is the beginning the originator, the creator, and he is the goal. He is the one for whom you were created. Those words in the middle there about thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, this is the idea about the the powers of the world, both the spiritual powers of the world and the way that those powers are lived out around you. Can I just remind you, in an election year, in a year that, let's just be honest, has a little bit of chaos right now when it comes to leadership and government and misunderstandings and miscommunication. And let's just, there's a lot of chaos. Can I remind you that Jesus stands supreme over all of that? Look at verse 17. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. I don't know of better news right now than Colossians 1.17. That the God that we worship, the God who created all things, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, speaking specifically of God's Son right here, He is before all things. Nothing came before Him. And in Him, in His power, by His word, all things hold together. I know for many of you, that life right now is a little shaky. It's a a little tough. You've you've had situations come that you didn't want and you didn't expect, that you are facing situations in the coming weeks that you are not looking forward to, that you've received news and diagnosis that you didn't want, that you look around the world and it feels very shaky. And can I just tell you from someone who loves you and prays for you and, and wants to speak God's word to you, none of that is outside of the love and the control and the hope of our God and that in him all things hold together when it feels like your life is unraveling when it feels like things are very shaky he holds it all together and I hope that you'll remember that this week I hope that that'll be good news for you this week let's look at a few other verses that talk about God as creator. I want to put this picture together of what it means for, for him to create all things. And there's, kind of, there's several places we can look in scripture, but I just want to walk you maybe through, through three or four of these. The, the first half of this Colossians hymn deals with this idea of creation, and then we're going to get to that second part in a, in a second. But the very beginning of the scripture, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, and God said. Now, don't miss the way that God is Trinity is shown through in, in these verses, that we know that Jesus came as the Word of God. You have in the beginning, this is why baseball is God's favorite sport, because in the big inning, God created. It's a bad pastor joke, bad theology joke, but that's why baseball is God's favorite sport because in the big inning, God created. You have God at work here. How's he working? How's he creating? Through his spirit and through his word. God creates all things, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He creates by the power of his spirit and by his word going out into the world that this is how God has created all things. And we're gonna see in a second how that plays into God's work in our lives and and God's work through Jesus to bring salvation. Let's look second at Hebrews chapter 11. There's this famous verse in Hebrews chapter 11 that says by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. There that is again. Review of Genesis 1. So that what is seen was not made. Sorry to yell at you with all caps, but it's kind of a confusing verse, so I wanted to put the all caps there. What is seen was not made out of things that are visible. So in other words, we sometimes talk about God creating ex nihilo. He created out of nothing. It's not like he took matter that was around and then created everything that exists. All the energy, all the matter, everything that exists anywhere in the universe that has been created was created by God out of nothing. The reason that matters is because if my brothers, my two brothers younger than me and I, went on Pinterest, and we were going to find something to build or something to plant, and and my brothers were going to go out and do that, it would look exactly like it looks on Pinterest. They're, They're incredible. They can build things. They can plant things. They can grow things. If I went to do that, you just look up in the dictionary pinterest fail and then you're going to find my picture right next to it because that that's how it goes but no matter how much better my brothers are at building things or growing things they still had to use created objects to build and grow those things no matter how they, good they are they can't make something out of nothing when we talk about god creating god's creation is different because he is creating out of nothing and, and here's another thing, and I want to point this out because I think there's confusion in 2020 in the world that we live in. One of the things that we believe about God's creation, who he is as creator, is that he creates outside of himself. And there's a, there's a theology word here that comes across in Latin, ad extra, A-D-E-X-T-R-A. Not a big deal that you remember that, but here's what I do want you to hear. The tree is not God. The rock is not God. The sky is not God. Those are God's creations, and, and in them, here's what we're going to see here in just a second, we're able to see God's glory, God's power, but we don't worship the tree itself as God, or we don't worship the rock itself as God, or, or we're not trying to connect with just this principle in the universe. Um, we believe that God has existed for all of eternity and that he created, as we're going to see in a second, as an overflow of who he is. But when we say God created, he created out of nothing, but he created things that are, in a sense, separate from himself. So that tree and that rock and that universal principle, those themselves are not God, though they can point us to God. Romans 1. Let's see how that works. Romans chapter 1, verse 20. God's invisible attributes, his eternal power, how great he is, and his divine nature that there's something about this world that says there has to be something more. His divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. Which means... A person, as Romans is going to show us and we're going to talk about, still needs to hear about the good news of Jesus, but someone who's not particularly religious or someone who's not a Christian can still go out into the world, can still look through their telescope, can still hike in a beautiful place, see those things, and say, wow, wow. There's incredible power. There's something going on here that is great. Sometimes people will call that nature or Mother Earth, and we would say those things are pointing toward the creator, God. But even in those things, a person is able to recognize a certain power in in the world and a certain divinity in the world. Let's look at one more scripture just to kind of sum this up. This is one of my favorites. Psalm 19.1. We'll mention Psalm 19.1 again next week, but Psalm 19.1 uh, if you're looking for a memory verse this week, I know we try to do a memory verse every week, this would be a great option. Kids, if you guys are working on a memory verse at home with your with your parents and you need one for this week, this is, you couldn't go wrong with this one. But Psalm 19:1, 1, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Look at this little summary slide as we think about the first half of the Colossians hymn, and then we're going to get to the second half. The God who made all things is making all things new, When we talk about God as creator, we are talking about God creating as an overflow of his character. And this is really important as we understand theology and we understand what it means to know God. God didn't create because he was bored. God didn't even create because he had to. God didn't create because he needed us to be his slaves or his servants, as you find in in a lot of world religions. God created because from all of eternity he was eternally giving and unchangeably good. It is in God's character for his love and his light and his life to overflow. And so it is not out of character. It's not a strange thing for God to create. It matches perfectly his character that he would share his goodness with his creation and then he would create in order for his goodness to go out to all places, to all people. The father... Created by his word and his spirit. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all involved in creation. And through creation, God's Son is supreme, reigns over every created thing, and is also the goal of creation, that all things were created for him. And and you see those things, but let's prepare for the second half of of this sermon and, and this text, because can we be honest? With all the greatness of creation with all we see when we go out into the world, with all the desire to travel and create and work, and sometimes you look around the world and it doesn't look particularly good. Because it's not, because it's wrecked by sin. It, it, there's, there's the reality of sin. There's the reality of injustice. There's the reality of brokenness. There's the reality of death. And what we have to deal with and what, what what's gonna, you're going to see in Scripture is how, Owen, can you say so many good things about God's creation? How can you say so many good things about this God who creates and yet look around and see so much evil and death and trouble in the world? How can those things go together? Well, remember, the God who made all things is making all things new. Look in verse 18. The God who made all things is making all things new. Look in verse 18. There's a transition that happens here. He is the head of the body, the church. Still speaking about God's Son, about who He is the supreme over all things. That the one who created all things is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, uh, a word that's very closely connected to the word for ruler. He is the ruler, the beginning, the originator. He is the firstborn from the dead. That the one... Who fulfilled Israel's calling to be firstborn over all creation, to inherit all creation, is the same one who overcame death. Firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. I want you to see here. That there is a transition that happens that the God who created all things, who made all things, is going to make all things new. How is he going to do that? He's going to do that through his body, the church. He's going to do that by overcoming death. Here's the danger. The danger is that we would approach creation, both the goodness of creation, how much you love to be in the outdoors, how much you love to create, how much you love to work, how much you love those things, And the evil that we see around us, the sin and the brokenness and death, that we would approach creation without the good news of the church. Without the good news that Jesus has overcome sin and death and he is making all things new. What gets us in trouble is when we approach creation without new creation. And what happens in this beautiful hymn in Colossians chapter 1 is in the very beginning, the first few verses, it's established that God is the creator of all things. And in the second half, it's going to show how he is making all things new. Look at verse 19. Verses 19 and 20 here. For in him... In Christ, in God's Son, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. That word dwell is so rich from, from the Old Testament. When we think about all of God's fullness dwelling in the Son, that one God, three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, like we've talked about many times, he didn't cease to be God. Verse 20, through him to reconcile To himself, all things. That what has been pushed apart by sin and death is brought back together by Jesus. This is Philippians 2 language from a couple of weeks ago. That he is reconciling to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven. How? Making peace by the blood of his cross. That the God who made all things is making all things new. How? Through his son Jesus. Who on the cross defeated sin and through the resurrection defeated death. And he is forming the church to be the people of God. To be the new creation. To live out what God's purpose was for creation in the very beginning. Look at this next slide to kind of sum up and make sure we're all on the same page as we move ahead. We talked about creation. Now we're talking about this new creation that God does. This new work. You could even just say salvation, redemption, rescue. Salvation comes from the Father by His Word and Spirit. Why does that matter? How did God create? He created by His Spirit, by His Word. How does God bring salvation? By His Spirit, by His Word. You see this in the story of Ezekiel 37 with the Valley of the Dry Bones that we're going to talk about on Facebook tomorrow at 1130. You see this in the story of the book of Acts. The danger, Emmaus, the danger is that we would try to be the church of God apart from God's word and apart from God's spirit. Anytime a church tries to exist apart from God's word and apart from God's spirit, there's no way we can carry out the mission that God has called us to do. That's a club, not a church. To be the church, to be the new creation in this world, in this creation, we have to have God's word and we have to have God's spirit that we become that new creation in this world. We, We become God's presence dwelling in the world so that people can anticipate that there's more than what we just see right now, anticipating eternity. And that's where that great phrase, already, not yet, comes into play. If you've not been around Emmaus for a while, that may be a new phrase to you. But we use this phrase, already, not yet, to help us read the New Testament. And here's what we mean by it. Already... Jesus' victory is certain because of the cross and the resurrection. Kids, this is a phrase you need to write in your Bible. This is a phrase you need to know. Already, not yet. Already, right now, Jesus' victory is certain because of the cross and the resurrection. There's no doubt about eternity. There's no doubt about the new creation. But let's be honest. We have not yet seen the fullness of what that victory is going to look like because we still live in a world with a lot of bad news we still live in a world where a lot of our friends are staring right into diagnosis and news and developments in their life that that are just not good that are hard and in the middle of that we are able to say yes we trust you God Yes, we believe that victory is certain. Yes, we hold on to those promises, even though not yet have we been able to see all that that's going to mean. So the question is, right now, in this world, how do we live? And I want to give you two things, Emmaus. These match up with our proclaim and display Jesus, but I want to give you two things that you can hold on to, two slides we're going to look at. When when we say that the God who made all things is making all things new, where's the so what? in that. What are we supposed to do with that? Number one, we talk about displaying God's image, that we were created in the image of God to display His image to the world around us. How can we do that? Don't miss the gift of just enjoying creation, that we were created to care for the world. Uh, The hundred dollar word is to be stewards of God's creation, to care for it, to make good use of it, to do good work in the world. As followers of Jesus, we should do the best work. We engage with work because it's not a punishment, it's a gift from God. That we are called to create and make beautiful things. I want to talk specifically about a quote or a comment or something that that comes up in our world and there's a good chance that there are people in your family or your neighborhood, or this may be your motto as well. and, And here's what it is. It's, Man, when I'm in the outdoors, when I'm out in creation, I just really feel close to God. And, and I go out there to feel close to God. I don't really need the church or Jesus or the Bible because I don't really feel close to God then. But man, when I go out into the world, out into the outdoors, when I travel or work or do things, then I feel really close to God. There's a temptation. There's a temptation to try to live in the creation apart from the creator. But remember what we've seen in this text, that the God who made all things is making all things new, and we can never fully live in his creation apart from his work through the church, through the power of Jesus Christ. And so what we want to say to people, and what what I want to say to you right now, excuse me, what I want to say to you right now is if you love to travel, and you love to spend time in the outdoors, and you love to make things, to create things with your hands, and if you love to go on adventures and hike and go to new places, those are good gifts from a good God. But don't take those gifts apart from God's work in your life through Jesus Christ. Because what we find is when we understand God's work in the church, when we understand the work that God wants to do in us through Jesus, we are able to more fully pursue those things, but we don't pursue those other things only for this world. Because if you think to yourself, man, I need to spend as much time traveling, or I need to spend as much time working, or I need to spend as much time doing these things because this world is really all I have and I need to make sure I make the most of it, we're missing the new creation. We're missing what God is pointing us toward. Here's how I understand this. Just yesterday, when I was mowing out in the backyard, and I love to mow, it's therapeutic for me. If some of you don't, I love to do it. When I was out there mowing, I was thinking about all these places I would love to travel to. All these places I would love to travel to. And that desire to travel, that desire to be outside, that desire, desire to make things, is a desire that should push us closer to, to God's mission in the church, not further away. And so I just want to say again, if you're a follower of Jesus, but you have disconnected from the church, you have disconnected from God's word, and you've told yourself I can pursue God in other ways and other places, this morning he is calling you back. Not to say that those other things are bad, those are good gifts from him, but he is calling you back to his mission through the church to point all people to Jesus. And if you are not a follower of Jesus, but you love to hike, (laughs) you love to work, you love to create, you love to be outdoors, can I just say that those things are a good gift from a great God and he created all these things and he desires a relationship with you and that's possible because of his son Jesus, that he died on the cross to destroy the evil and the sin and the brokenness of the world and to bring all things back to the creator And he rose again so that death would not be the end of the story. That the God who made all things is making all things new. And he wants to make your life new. The God who made all things, who made you, is making you new through Jesus. And so I would just call you this morning to trust in him. That you would turn to your creator and say, I worship you, I trust you, and I want to live for you through Jesus. If you have questions about that or that's a commitment that you want to make this morning to turn back to the creator and say, I trust you, I love you, I worship you, just send me an email. I would, I would love to connect with you through that way. But I want you to see that we were created to display God's image. And then the flip side of that, that's with our lives. Think about our words. Let me show you this final slide here. Not only to display God's image, but to proclaim the gospel of Jesus. How do we live as the church? How do we live as the new creation? We proclaim over and over and over again, Jesus is Lord. What we saw here, and what we saw here in Colossians 1, that Jesus is preeminent, that he is supreme over all things, that's our declaration. That's that early church declaration, confession, Jesus is Lord. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so as the church, we make that confession together. We call people to be reconciled with God through the cross. We're ambassadors of reconciliation. And we should be people who have hope for the future through the resurrection. Um, Emmaus, let me say to you right now, as, as we kind of think about wrapping up and, and bringing this to a conclusion... Let me say very clearly, I think one of the challenges we will have in the weeks to come, but also one of our greatest opportunities is how we speak about the future. How do we live fully in this world with so much chaos, so much brokenness, so much going on, yet so much good when we think about God's creation? How do we live and speak in this world? And Emmaus, I think one thing that God is calling us to do really, really well in the coming months is how we speak about hope for the future. When we regather here in a couple of weeks, when you interact with your neighbors, when you interact on social media, our main focus is not going to be getting back to the way that things were. Our main focus is going to be speaking about what God wants to do in our lives moving ahead. And we have a chance to literally set the tone for what that sounds like, for what that looks like. When you interact with people, when you're on social media, when we're regathering, we set the tone for how we're going to speak. And I don't, don't know about you, but I want to speak as those who believe in a God who made all things and is making all things new, that what we see and experience right now is a gift from God, but it's not the end of the story. And so my hope for us my, my plea to you, even as you're watching this wrap up here this morning, is that you would hold on to those things as well, that you would display that, that we would be a church that does great work, that creates things that are beautiful, that loves to travel, that loves to explore, that loves to engage with the world, and we do that because our hope is in Jesus together. Let's pray this morning. Father, we believe that you are the God who made all things and you are the God who is making all things new. God, thank you for the reminder this morning that Jesus holds all things together, that the more the world gets shaky, the more things are uncertain, the more things are chaotic, the more we're reminded that he is completely in control. And God, I pray that we'd find hope in that. God, I pray for those listening who love to be outdoors who love to travel, who love to work, who love to make things, God, that they would not be drawn away from you, but they would be drawn to you. That they would not be drawn away from the church or from the word or from Jesus, but they would be drawn to those things. God, make us a church that is able to proclaim and display Jesus to the world around us. And God, I pray that in the weeks to come that we would be set apart by the way that we speak. God, we would not complain, we would not grumble, we would not talk about the, just getting back to the things, the way things were. God, let us speak with hope. Let us be people of peace and love and joy. And God, use that to draw people to Jesus. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again, Emmaus, for connecting this way. I love you so much, and I look forward to seeing you again soon. God bless you.